Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode with none other than Cole Thompson. Before we get going, let's thank some of the sponsors who make this podcast happen. First and foremost, you, the listener, make this podcast happen when you go to my link tree on Instagram or Twitter and go through the, the links and you can find my online store where you can buy Big MX Radio merch. I get a slice of every single purchase that's made on those sites and would really appreciate you guys doing that. Rock the Big MX Radio merch at the track, at the races, what have you. Support Big MX Radio. That would really mean a lot to me. This podcast is also brought to you by Racetech. Racetech is a revalve in the box when it comes to the gold valves. And that the gold valves are going to increase your bottoming resistance as well as your traction and that's what's going to allow you to drop your lap times they also do engine work too and you can save 10 percent on racetech by entering big mx at checkout or mentioning big mx radio when you deal with racetech luxon mx is a proud sponsor of the big mx radio podcast and they're not just another triple clamp company they're a fantastic company that is full of engineers who do not settle for the status quo they push the limits of what's possible when it comes to hard parts every single time those guys check into the office. Guts Racing has the best seat bases, seat foam, and seat covers in the sport of motocross. If you're not already using a Guts Racing seat cover, you need to be. And if you probably have one, it's been on your bike for quite some time because they're pretty durable and you need to replace it. Use discount code BIGMX20 to save 20% every time that you shop at Guts Racing. WSA is all things wheels. John Anderson, Kristen Anderson over there, fantastic people, and they make amazing product built with some of the most unreal components available to build wheels out of. You can buy those components separately, or you can have WSA put them all together and ship them straight to your door. want to give a huge shout out to Jason Gerald over at Phoenix Handlebars. He offers a 15% discount to all Big MX Radio audience members with Big MX Radio 15 at checkout. It's going to save you some money on a set of handlebars. Hell, maybe grab yourself a t-shirt, a hoodie, a hat, or a few different bar pad covers. Customize your look, customize your bike with Phoenix handlebars. Last but not least, want to give a huge shout out to SKDA Graphics. They make amazing stuff. And in the next little while, we're going to be doing some giveaways, including some a $100 gift certificate to SKDA Graphics. All right, now let's do this podcast with Cole Thompson. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Luxon MX. Not just another triple clamp company. These are engineers that are passionate about pushing the limits of the status quo. And uh, you can save 10% on Luxon MX, anything on their website, um, whether it's the... um, the linkage uh, system that they have or the dog bones or even uh, a set of triple clamps save yourself 10 percent with big mx at checkout and uh, we would appreciate it we also have a discount code for for guts racing big mx 20 saves you 20 percent let's be honest you need a seat cover for your bike it's absolutely trashed and uh, get yourself set up for the new racing season here in 2023 with a brand new uh, seat cover hell maybe you want to replace the seat altogether because you've been washing your bike with the seat on there the thing is waterlogged it's just gross Replace the whole thing, seat base, foam, and the seat cover uh, with guts, and save yourself 20% uh, by entering Big MX20 at checkout. I am your host, 
Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line is a man who's been on the podcast, oh, I don't know, about four or five times at least over the over the time, uh, whether it's a, a post-race interview at a Canadian national, an American national, or American Supercross. Um, I've never made it down to Australia to, to, to talk to him there, but uh, he would probably still take an interview with me. Uh, sometimes he's public enemy number one, but honestly, I've always had good exchanges with this young man uh, and a guy who I even grew up looking up to, even though I think we're about the same age, if not a little, if I'm a little bit older than he is. Cole Thompson, welcome back to the Big MX Radio podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, what an intro. feel honored. Absolutely, my friend. Like, I, I, I honestly, like, I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm online, uh, like, covering the sport, interacting with fans, and uh, I, it sort, it kind of rubs me wrong how, uh, like, obviously Cole Thompson gets a bad rap among uh, I guess at least the Twitter faithful. That's too small of a sample size to really get a feel for how uh, the fans feel about you. Because I would imagine there's still a, a lineup of people who want you to scribble on a poster uh, so they can hang it up in their garage. Um, but uh, yeah, like it, it's uh, a guy who um, like has had a lot of success up here in Canada. Uh, one of the few Canadians who, on a regular basis, going all the way back to 2012, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later uh, on in the podcast. Or a guy who continues to go down and, and test his medal against the uh, the best in the world, and I got respect for that, my friend. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's cool. Like uh, we were talking earlier, it's. Um it's been a long career, even though it feels like just got started the other day. Uh, it goes by in a blink. So honored to uh, still be uh, in the mix and still be racing Supercross at this age. No doubt. Like you, you are, you're how old right now? 29. 29 years old. Yeah. See, you're younger than I thought you were, but then again, Canadians turned pro at like 14. You've been faster than me since you were on 60. So that doesn't really, uh, it kind of adds up. Um, but you're in Texas right now where of course you met your beautiful wife, uh, many, many moons ago, you guys were literally kids when you guys met. Um, and you were a kid when you first started going down to Texas, doing that Texas two-step that was basically kind of iconic within, uh, a time in amateur motocross, which I don't know if we're ever going to be able to see something quite like that again. Like I'm talking, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, prior to the economic sort of like downturn in the States where I don't know if it's ever fully recovered back to that. Like I think of just like the, the abundance that existed in and around that time, like uh, rides, sponsors, one industry hoodies, flat bill hats and everything else that came along with that. You were a fast amateur right in that sort of um, like in the thick of that with guys like Justin Bogle with the, uh, and I think that's where the, the sort of the, the friendship goes back with you guys. Um, really exciting time for you to be in an amateur. Uh, I mean, we're going to get to talk to Supercross in, in just a moment or two, but I wanted to sort of like throw back to that a little bit is that that was a really cool time for you to be able to uh, uh, grow up in the sport and, uh, and be pretty good at it by the way, at the same time. Yeah, no, I, was, I appreciate that. Um, it was a different time. In racing i think at the time we were kind of new to the u.s scene uh, my brothers grew up racing um you know in michigan in that kind of scene that was much smaller than the obviously the nationals and stuff and my parents uh more or less wanted to see me succeed and to succeed you got to go race the best and that's what we did we came to texas in 2005 and I remember showing up uh, back then you didn't have instagram you didn't have 
YouTube videos that you could go and, you know, Google search who, who the guys were or even look up results for that matter. It's kind of hard to find out who, who they were. So learning riders like Jason Anderson, Eli Tomac, and, uh, remember being frustrated why Jason Anderson was beating me on a, on a Suzuki RM 65 when I was on a KTM being like, who is this kid? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm on a better bike and he's beating me. But uh, later finding out, you know, Jason Anderson and, uh, even Eli Tomac for that matter were at a very high level even back then. And it was kind of a cool time in, in amateur moto where you had amateur kids getting, you know, even like a, a factory ride in, in a sense that, you know, there was teams that did it and there was a lot more, uh, I guess, families that followed the sport back then than maybe there is today, or, or maybe it's just a little different today. I think you still have quite a few riders, but it's just spread out a little bit more back then. It was like, that was the sole focus was to go chase the amateur scene. You live out of your RV, you go racing every weekend. And, um, now it's a little bit, uh, more, uh, I guess, there's only a select few nationals that you do. And then you kind of chill between, you know, each national, you don't hit races every weekend and stuff, but nonetheless, it was a cool time to race dirt bike. And it's still to this day, um, some of my fondest memories of, uh, you know, being at those races and watching the, the Nico Izzy's, Trey Kennard's, Austin Stroop. Um, even when I first came into the scene, Ryan Villapoto did his final year in 05 as an amateur. Right. And to just see that guy, uh, go on to do the career that he had and, it was uh, it was it was a time to be alive, and it's still uh, w- one of the fond memories I have as a as a kid was uh, being at the dirt bike track, watching all these legends come through. Absolutely, and then also that's something I, I often think about when I'm watching old races is just like not only like enjoying some of like the the old the old style and like watching some of the old guys do what they do, but how much different the world was back then with like pre Instagram, pre social media, where you didn't feel the 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 obligation to like uh, document everything with video or photo or. Uh, you just didn't have the means to do it because there wasn't a way to put that on the internet for people to see at all times. Like there must have been so much more downtime, so much more time to sort of connect with people, um, and and, and stuff like that. Like, and I I just stumbled across this, and like I don't you've probably haven't even this this race hasn't crossed your mind in probably a decade. But uh, your first podium finish at Loretta Lens, you got third in the 2009 Super Mini 1 12 to 15 class. And why that's important is there was this last weekend at the Triple Crown, there were 44 guys who entered the main events this last weekend. Venture to guess how many of those 44 riders were in that class that weekend. I, I couldn't even tell you. It was probably, There's eight. Probably a good eight. Eight, I was going to say, yeah, five, five to ten, I'd say. But yeah. um, actually, That's crazy. Enough, I was, yeah, I was I was talking with um, – so I've been at the Yamaha Tech Track in California and, and, and riding with Eli a bit, and uh, we were talking a bit about that era of super mini riders and like um you know there was there was a group in particular like oh seven maybe oh eight and and if you look at you know that era of like 85 like 12 to 13 class mm-hmm. i bet you'd find probably 15 to 20 guys 
that are still, oh yeah you know, and that's got like that's that, not even that, including that other guys are. that i know have raced pro like the guys that are out of it yeah. already like zach bell led the red he's not racing anymore so that's not he's not in that uh that category uh who have racing this last weekend but like matt bashali is in there jace owen is racing east coast uh nick yep. Gaines, dakota alex cody chisholm uh chris canning you'll probably have to deal with him at southwick when you guys are both 40 uh jacob <laughs> bomert um like the list goes yeah, on and like what's even funnier is guess who else was in that race was logan carnow carnow's in there oh, yeah, yeah. and same thing yeah, with yeah. uh with with uh rodriguez a rod's in there a rod a rod's in there yeah no that's um i actually me and a rod had some good battles he was uh he was pretty quick on the 125 and uh yeah. i mean still quick to this day it's funny i a Rod's one of the OGs because uh, I trained at MCF with them and, and grew up right. racing amateur. And when we we see each other, I always laugh. I'm like, we're still still getting it done out there as, as the kind of the older guys of the uh, in the 250 class. But um, good dude, good rider, and uh, it, we always find each other somehow in, in, in some of these races. And we found each other together in San Diego in the heat and in the main, and then um, uh, A One same thing in, in the heat and the main. And I, I said, man, we gotta. <laughs> We either got to start fighting further up in the field or, or doing something different. But we're always battling for, for a top 10 nonetheless. It's pretty cool. I could throw a blanket over you guys right now. You're separated by four <laughs> points in the championship. Um, oh, yeah. All three main events for both I of you guys. Myself. Yeah, I didn't do myself any favors crashing out that last one in the trip. Crowd. I had uh, had a tough second main and then a uh, bad start in the third main and then uh, threw it away with a lot to go and, and crashed out of that one and salvaged the 14th, which still got some points but could have been a much better night for points wise and trying to make some ground on the guys ahead of me certainly and like you know what that's one of the like it's a nice thing and it and and it's a not so nice thing about the triple crowns obviously you get opportunities that if you have a bad race you can better yourself uh by doing well in the other ones um but at the same time like if you're if you don't happen to have like the most hot night in the world it's it's not the worst thing in the world because you if it sort of averages out like even a guy like eli tomac i think he ended up like sixth or seventh on the night even though he went like uh Two, three, sixteen, or so, or whatever you had, and like it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. But uh, you had yourself a scary ass moment. Uh, almost ended up um, like mechanicing for yourself, um, flinging yourself into the uh, the mechanics area at some point. Take us through that little scary moment. Yeah, that was actually prior to my crash. So that Amazing. lap, I uh, I caught caught the rut just at, at the wrong angle, and uh, it was kind of a all or nothing kind of moment. Either it was gonna, you know straighten out which it luckily it did or it was going to spit me to the ground and uh thankfully that sideways that third gear wide open coming out of that sand section headed straight towards the mechanic area would have probably been pretty bad for not myself the mechanics as well and luckily got out of that one unscathed and then three corners later i ended up cross running again and, and sending it off over the the wrong direction over the berm so not an ideal uh lap and a half to go kind of situation but Thankfully, no injuries. Thankfully, uh, you know, the bike took the beating and not me. Oh, yeah. No, it looks like like you're doing well so far. Three main events with Team Solitaire. Uh, first time you find yourself back there since uh, back when it was on KTMs. Back, like, I remember, like, I remember talking to you that particular year. You were number 127 on a KTM. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, your teammate that year was um, Josh or no, 
Zach Commons, Zach Commons. who had like yep. the most Franken bike you could ever imagine. Like it was, it had uh, like it was a KTM frame with a Kawasaki front fork. Like I, I can't exactly remember. You probably weren't even fully aware of what was going on with that. But yeah, yeah. he was. He was um, Zach was always uh, really tight with Mitch Payton, so he right. had. Um, a pro circuit uh full hookup and uh we actually ended up doing pro circuit engines that year for the ktm uh since that was right around the time i was switching to 250 class the year prior i was 450 for kate factory ktm in canada and i came down to do supercross again and uh i wasn't able to get the factory engine so we ended up going with the pro circuit motor which was pretty good for for the little bit of time that we had prior to the season to get some built and everything it worked out pretty good yep and then Zach ended up going with Pro Circuit Suspension. I stuff with WP just mm-hmm. because uh, KTM brand and whatnot. And then it worked out to be somewhat, I guess, good for the for the amount of time that both of us had prior to getting you know getting started with the team and stuff like that. You know, Zach was kind of last minute, I was last minute. So all, all said, all everything said, it was um, a bit of a uphill battle to, at the start, but we started to get things going. And I think I had two top tens that year. Um, probably could have got more. I just uh, I struggled in the beginning with some crashes and, and, and just not being a hundred percent from the start. So, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, I still have one of those uh, one of those your, one of your jerseys from that particular year uh, somewhere around here. It's not on my wall right now, but maybe it needs to be, uh, or maybe I just need to, to update it with uh, the number eighty three uh, uh, jersey. But. Um, Tell me a little bit about working with Chris Elliott, great guy, Canadian guy, Ontario guy like yourself, although you're probably about 15 hours away uh, from where the two of you um, originated. Uh, but working with a guy who he, like, he lays himself on the line for the team, tries, uh, tries his best to put the team in the best position possible. Him and Ryan Clark both work really hard. Uh, and I guess that's why you probably ended up coming back to that. I know the, the, the Slayton side of things was maybe the the not so great part of the, the first time you guys interacted, but um, like Chris Elliott, great guy. Uh, someone who, like I said, um, just, just goes the extra mile for his guys and, uh, and just overall good person. Yeah. Both, uh, both Chris and, uh, and Ryan do a phenomenal job. Uh, it's, uh, it's sometimes like it blows my mind that, uh, you know, the behind the scenes of what goes into obviously showing up and racing supercross and getting everything ready and they do a really really good job uh working together chris obviously on the side of being uh you know like every weekend if you look our bikes are kitted our gears kitted and uh you know he coordinates a lot of that also does it um you know it's not it's not like he's making millions when he does it because he loves the sport and loves to see people like myself and my teammate nick um with the best opportunity and that same goes for ryan ryan obviously was a racer at one point had to do a lot of it on his own and and you can see that when he's working with us. He um really really good to work with as far as like he'll help um in any aspect, whether it be, you know, on the bike we're struggling with something, he, he puts his input in there or just day to day stuff. So um the the pair of them kinda when they approached me, I knew it was kind of a no brainer to go back there. Uh just for the fact that I knew that they had my best interest and wanted to see me succeed more than more than anyone else and they believed in me and it, it's rare to find a lot of teams that believe in a guy at 29 and they were, you know, really amped and pumped up to make the deal happen. And, uh, like I say, I was, I, I felt good right from the, from the go with the bike and, and with the team. I felt like we were, we're all family and you can get that 
just walking by the pits. It's a very family-oriented uh, pit, and you see it week in and week out that everyone comes there for a good time. And, and also, obviously, they want to, you know, get good results. But it's not, uh, it's not, um, you know, things don't go right. It's not the end of the world. You know, we move on and we get better and we learn from it. So that that was prime example this weekend. Obviously, my teammate Nick had a rough weekend and and didn't make the main events. And then uh, myself having some crashes in main event two and three. We just uh, we kind of took the pauses out of it, and now uh, we're, we're we're focused on on doing better for the next one that comes around. And obviously, the team's uh, you know has my back, and, and, and I, I'm thankful for that. Uh, obviously, the bad weekends aren't ones that you want to uh, you know have a team that's going against you. And, and, and 100, they're uh, they're with me to to make it better. So it's good. That's awesome, dude. So who is your favorite yeah. teammate? Is it Dominic Thury or Bailey? Bailey. <laughs> Bailey, Bailey seems to be the star. Um, he, he's there. Uh, he's almost like the, the team mascot at this point. I mean, he's well-known around the world. Uh, he's probably more well-known than I am, for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. Nick, Nick's pretty good, but, he, you know, Nick's, Nick can uh, talk back. Bailey kind of just goes with the flow. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Both, All right, both, fair enough. Have, have you had like a – have you, have you found any dog hairs in your, uh, your goggles or anything quite like that? Or maybe you like catch Bailey taking a nap in your gear bag or something? No, I haven't done that. The only thing we did this weekend was me and Nick, right before practice, we uh, mixed up the helmets. We had the same paint job. Oh, okay. Everything, everything I, w- I run um, uh, th- or thinner cheek pads just because I got a little bit fatter face. And uh, <laughs> I put the helmet on for practice. I was like, oh, man, you know, new helmet, a little snug. <laughs> and then I'm um, taking off, and he's yelling at me, and he's like, hey, we got uh, to switch helmets real quick. He's like, you got my helmet. <laughs> Other than that, me and Nick, me and Nick uh, we haven't had uh, any issues. Uh, we just uh, we get along good, and, and it's good that Nick's around the same age as me because I feel like we both are in the, in a similar boat where right. we have the experience, we have the knowledge. It's now just you know it, it's finding it out with these these young kids, and uh, yeah, he's been really really awesome to ride with at the track track, awesome to work with on the race days. Even uh, you know like this past weekend, like I say, he had a had a kind of off day and. He was still, um, you know, there for me when, uh, you know, like the, the main events were around. He was, you know, giving me advice or, or trying to help in any way possible, which is really cool that uh, to have a teammate like that. It's, it's nice. No kidding. Like uh, leading the championship, uh, a young guy like Jet Lawrence, 19, 10 years younger than you. Same thing with a guy like uh, Hunter Yoder, who's I think he's like 19 or 20 maybe at the very oldest. Um, yeah. yeah, you guys are definitely uh, mature of, of the uh, – of the racers um and and with time comes like with that maturity and just racecraft and stuff like that i'm sure that sort of helps on the racetrack uh what also helps is having some uh, some good looking paint jobs on those helmets talk a little bit about shades of gray they're like josh gray huge friend of mine uh supporter of the podcast anyone who's listening to this whether you need uh some customization on the back of the helmet a full paint job uh, Shades of Grey MX. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, like the the paint job that they get those those guys did for you guys at San Diego, like bar none. I think that was one of the best looks you guys have had uh, on the team for as many years as they've been around. Let alone when, even just when you've been on there. Yeah, no, very impressed with the theme of uh, the paint jobs. Obviously, the helmet's a big part of that. Uh, I know uh, prior to the season, I'd seen them just kind of like uh, I guess the digital version of what the paint job was going to be in the kits and stuff. And then to see it come, come to life, like in San Diego, I was pretty wicked. And then when you're, 
when you're in a full kit like that, I mean, I think it, it's cool for not just the team, but um, for fans and stuff as well that follow the team and follow me. It, 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 it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Uh, this past weekend was the hot sauce theme, and, and I think everyone, you know, could see me and spot me pretty easily with the, the colors, obviously with Liat being a part of that too, doing some custom gear and then the helmet on top of that. Everything comes together and a lot of credit to Chris, you know, for putting that together in the in the preseason and stuff. Um, I know working with gear companies in, in the past and stuff, that's not easy to do, uh, especially when, you know, you're every weekend you're changing paint paint jobs and, uh, you know, kudos to obviously Shades of Grey doing the same thing, you know, putting a, putting a new helmet together and a theme together every weekend. It's really, really impressive and obviously um, having a hot sauce brand and, and heartbeat, uh, it, it's pretty cool to have someone that from the outside coming into the sport and then having that custom aspect to it. For sure. Like, are, are you a hot sauce guy? Do you put that stuff on just about anything? I'm a hot uh, sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much put it in my bike. I put it in my hair. I'm a hot sauce guy now. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm fully, fully convinced. He's invested. Yeah, that's the secret. Yeah. That's I like the it, secret. Man. Secret to success. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, 2023 uh and beyond um i see you as a guy who like like i think you've always had maybe like you've always had some success uh racing outdoors uh i don't know have you raced an outdoor national in in the states i did in 2012 and 13 and then i had raced another national till 21 which i did the paula one uh with ktm um uh yeah 21 of course, well, and of course, you it, would turn it, pro, you, your first outdoor national on it would be on a four fifty. You silly goose. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't even an option. Uh, I went to Freestone twenty twelve on a four fifty, and that was the thing back then. If you're a privateer, uh, four fifty was the way to go. Two fifty class was very competitive, and you needed an mm-hmm. engine. Obviously, engines are cheap to rebuild every time you go race the two fifty. If you're running them at that high of a limit, and we basically got a four fifty done up and. You know, 450 is basically a tractor. You don't have to change uh, change uh, the oil pretty much the whole season. The thing just keeps chugging. So, ended up doing uh, I think seven rounds, and I got picked up, or maybe it was six rounds, and I got picked up by Star Valley, which was Star had partnered with Valley at the time, and it was yes. uh, that team. It was pretty cool to have an opportunity there. Unfortunately, the first race I went to, uh, Washougal, I blew up fortieth. Yeah blew up my shoulder and uh came back for southwick which anybody knows southwick is not the best uh race to rehab a shoulder at and uh ended up just i remember that day in particular just surviving and uh ended up with i think scoring a few points a 13th in moto one and like a 17th moto two and it was kind of just a mediocre end to that 2012 season because i was dealing with injury and a bit Mm -hmm. still kind of learning that 250 bike outdoors i'd race the 450 pretty much the whole summer and then jumped on that 250 for the last four rounds and then 2013 came around and it was pretty much uh back to the 250 for supercross i didn't have an opportunity to sign with anybody after uh my 2012 season um i had offers back in canada but at the time i still pursuing the whole american dream and and trying to make it work at you know 19 years old i thought if i'm going to make it happen it's got to be at this age and Ended up having a sixth place season, uh, sixth place overall in the series in 2013, which uh, was pretty impressive considering did it with my mom and dad and, and buying the bikes and racing out of my uh, you know parents' RV and chasing the you know the privateer life. It was uh, it was a huge accomplishment, and then uh, ended up doing two rounds of outdoors in 13 on my own and got an offer to come up to Canada and fill in for the injured Colt Fasciati, and that was 
a no-brainer at the time just because mm-hmm. the outdoor series is grueling and I wanted something new and came up to Canada and fell in love with uh, obviously the bike and the team and had an oppor- opportunity for, for years to come with them and it was uh, it was home for me. It, I felt like I found my place in the sport and that's kind of what led me to coming back to the States was, you know, after that, you know, that stint in Canada, I was, uh, you know, always curious as to what uh, was still down here and see if, uh, you know, the old dog can learn some new tricks. Certainly. And, and that that's one of the things that I, I have a lot of respect for is you've never shied away from uh, coming down to the States, doing some racing, or even just going racing in Canada on basically a full privateer effort or regardless of support, uh, you, the gate drops and you, you do your thing, man. Um, like, uh, talk a little bit about like last season. Uh, like you raced a 125 at some point. Uh, I raced some uh, some East Coast uh, Triple Crown Series races. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about the the evolution of that series up here in Canada. And uh, also, I, I can't imagine that you wouldn't be a perfect candidate for some su- for some World Supercross down the line. Yeah, well, it was kind of a, a weird time. At the end of 21, uh, I really considered retiring. I was just more or less burnt out on maybe the – looking back, I think it was the people, and not, not in particular like team or something, like just people in the industry and stuff. Um, as many people will say that in the sport, it's sometimes there's some toxic people among racing that want to see not just racers fail but series fail and whatnot, so – Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into that, but yeah, at the end of 21, I needed to do something different with my life. And I thought about just, you know, riding for fun and, and I was going to work with KTM still, but be more on the outside, ride for fun, do the Instagram thing and the social media life of, uh, you know, just sharing content and being a little bit more personal with the people that followed me. And, um, ended up riding, uh, my brother's Yamaha 250 and I don't even think it was, I was on the bike for more than two minutes and I was like, man, I gotta go race this thing in Supercross. You know, I, at the time, I don't even think I was, you know, really, uh, knowing what would go into that season in particular. I just knew that I had to get on the line for Anaheim one. I was like, it's going to be sick. I'm going to take these bikes. And at the time I had, my brother had a bike with 20 hours on it and a bike with 10 hours on it and they were both 250s and i said all right the one with 10 hours to be my practice bike the one with 20 hours we'll take the motor out called up mx 101 they gave me a motor to put in the thing and i said we're going to use that as a race bike and send it on this journey and at the time it was more or less just have fun and enjoy what uh i guess what comes after your your racing career is done at, at the time is what i was thinking you know like oh let's see you know one last go at it and didn't have a mechanic did all the work myself did all the trucking myself um had my wife with me obviously she did all the cooking and everything that she does to keep uh keep me going during the day and then uh she would be holding the bike and, and be down at the line with me uh when racing came came around and uh i think that was one of the times where it was kind of funny we'd look at you know the starting lineup and these guys had you know i followed supercross and never stopped following supercross so it was kind of funny to watch you know, for the last six, seven years that I was out of Supercross, all these guys racing year after year, you know, the Craigs, um, you know, even Hunter Lawrence coming to Supercross and stuff like that, seeing the young buck like Joe Shimoda and stuff at the time on the West Coast over there. And there was a handful of guys that were, you know, I was in, in the lineup, not necessarily the speed, but in a lineup, you know, in the main events with these guys. And, yeah, I'd get lapped, but it was just still funny to be on track, um, you know, and, and doing it with my wife in, in the private year effort. And that's kind of what led me back to it this year is doing it last year seeing that you know maybe there's still something there that i have and 
obviously Team Solitaire seen that, it kind of reignited that flame of going back competitive and not just doing it for fun and social media and and that stuff, getting a little bit more serious again and, and doing it full on. So we're we're kind of like a like a I said, even though I'm 29, it's kind of like a, a rebirth of my career. You know, getting back started on the Supercross scene again and and then finding. Finding, uh, you know, that, that love for it that I hadn't had in a couple of years just because uh, I've been doing the same thing for a while. But, yeah, no no hard feelings towards Canada. I think Canada served me well for the years I didn't. It was just time for something new, and I think that was what was missing in my in my career. And I found it last year doing it with uh, with my wife on uh, a privateer effort, so it was pretty cool. Absolutely. So is it fair to say that if there were a combination of AMA Supercross Australian Supercross and World Supercross that you could possibly make a, uh, a, a annual calendar out of that would probably be more uh, more up your alley than uh, basically splitting time between uh, racing some West Coast Supercross or East Coast Supercross uh, and racing outdoor nationals, uh, whether it be in Canada or the States? Yeah, I think uh, it would be cool uh, to do the World Supercross. That was one of the things I wanted to do last year once I... Uh, obviously healed up i got injured at the end of supercross well i only did five rounds and i got hurt but i want to do the world supercross just for the fact that it is the world and it's something uh you know unique about it in the aspect that you know uh it's supercross for guys that maybe like myself that get a second chance at racing and, and can make a little bit of a living out of it obviously not many people get a get a paycheck that race in uh supercross um you know a lot of guys are doing it with their own money or doing it breaking even kind of thing so with the world supercross there was an opportunity there to make some money and then same thing kind of came up last minute with the australian supercross and funny enough it was uh joe skid who had who'd, who'd helped me get that deal and joe skid was with me when i first signed with ktm back in like 2014 2013 2014 and he uh he actually vouched for me and, and got me that ride so huge kudos to him for even you know acknowledging that uh you know i'd be a, a good candidate for that team and um, you know, put me in place there to go over to Australia to live for two months and race their series. And obviously being over there, you get to meet a lot of cool people. And, and, and I hope that, you know, that's something that can be turned into, you know, more years to come and, and, and more racing for me to do over there as well. So yeah, for the summer, I don't really have a plan. Obviously I'm just focused on getting to the end of uh, this Supercross series healthy and, and obviously getting better each weekend. I would like to probably steer clear of racing outdoor motocross not saying it's a complete no but i just it, it may sound rude saying this but it, it's one of those deals where it's absolute grind and there's very little payback as a privateer to do it and, and no disrespect to the people that do it it's just it's a grind man supercross a little bit easier on the body a little bit you know easier on the machine outdoors is a punishment so um like i say those guys that do it as a privateer hats off man it, it, it's gnarly and and those dudes I have a lot of respect for in their own. So, yeah, I think uh, have fun this summer if I don't get anything and, and, and keep enjoying life and saying yes to any other opportunities that, uh, you know, see fit. I love it, man. Well, uh, that <clears throat> that's great to hear. And, uh, no, I really appreciate you coming on the show to sort of uh, comb through some stuff. We talked a little bit longer than uh, I expected, but I think that happened every single time we've had you on the show. Just kind of go through stories and, and talk about some stuff. But, um 
got a couple of weeks or you get a weekend off then you go back to uh or i guess two weekends off and then back to oakland um plan until then uh you're down in texas right now do a little bit of riding let the body heal up a little bit and then uh one round and then five weeks off yeah no split it up i think uh at the time i was kind of bummed that we didn't race oakland but obviously i didn't want to race a mudder and then it worked out that it uh got rescheduled to split up obviously the west coast break that was going to come up and then uh yeah, I think it'll be good. I think the Oakland dirt and the stadium, I look forward to racing. So it being a mutter, I was kind of bummed that we we're going to miss a, a good race and, and a good opportunity to have a good weekend. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, obviously the weather stays clear for that weekend, that it's been rescheduled and we go out there and both uh, my teammate and I kick some butt and put the team, uh, you know, near the, closer to that front pack and, and see what we can do as far uh, as, far as results-wise. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I tell you what, uh, we had we talked about a story about your first Supercross uh, off air before we started this podcast. So I'm going to throw that in right now, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna let that be what sort of closes out this podcast. Sound good? Sounds good, man. Thank you. Awesome, man. Let's throw that to that that uh, portion of the story right now here on the Big MX Radio podcast. Cole, don't hang up just yet, just yet. But for post- podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off after this story your first ama race was 2012 i'm just gonna look at that round arlington was the first main that you made uh you ended up you were ninth your first main event you made were ninth yeah i'm trying to get back to that place dude yeah like uh mixing uh, this is such a throwback first of all okay Barsha wins, Darren Durham, uh, Ken Roxon, Blake Wharton, Phil Nicoletti was fifth on the night. Oh, my God. Uh, Malcolm Stewart, Jake Canada. There's a blast from the past. Uh, PJ Larson, you, and Lance Vincent. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And Sean Hackley. Jesus. Yeah, no, it's, um, I remember my first race, you even uh, can see it, but there was like 70-something entries, and I remember I um, uh, kind of went straight from B to Pro, and I never really, I mean, the closest thing I did to Supercross at that point was just Montreal, and I'd done that in the previous year, and, and then you show up and just remember seeing the first set of whoops and the triple, and you're like, just but even just being inside of, of Dallas and how gnarly the supercross tracks really are mm-hmm. and uh feel a little bit overwhelmed but the day worked out pretty good i qualified like 11th uh, made it straight through my heat and then had a good main event but it was one of those tracks dallas back then was like really hard packed and it felt like yeah it, it it was working for me and funny enough um when the track was like that both years that i raced uh 2012 and 2013 i rode pretty good in those conditions being a little bit smoother and calmer of a rider a lot of people struggled i always felt at home on that stuff so Hmm. Kind of cool to kick it off there. No kidding, yeah. Like uh, just splash onto the scene. Never made a main event before. Just here I am, ninth on. I assume like full blown privateer Honda. Like how was what was that set up? Yeah, we raced my own bike. So um, the year before I was on Honda. So like my practice bike was my race bike the year before, kind of thing. Mom and dad bought me bikes and stuff, and uh, had a guy out of Florida build the engines, and then had. Um, suspension done by a guy in Alabama and never uh, never understood like what supercross suspension was or kind of where to even like 
begin to test, but just ran kind of what he built me and worked out all right. But uh, looking back, I think uh, it was pretty crazy to even uh, be in that in that setting in the first place, just because of not knowing. And, and the closest thing we'd had come to Supercross prior to that, like for knowledge, was my brother back in like the early 2000s. But yeah, even like you did it, it was kind of it was a lower like kind of lower level you know what i mean like he he did it kind of the same way i did it just kind of came in just not knowing what to do and we did the same thing with me we we had an idea but we still didn't know what what it was going to be like and it, it it worked out for the for the better and obviously that's where things led me to here and led me coming back to supercross all these years later Fair enough, fair enough, man. Well, you know, yeah. tell you what I'm going to do is I love that story, and I think it needs to somehow stay in the podcast. So I'm going to like I'm like I'm always sort of recording because the call recorder, as soon as someone picks yep. up, like it just starts. I'm going to snip that audio and then like shoehorn <laughs> it into the podcast in post post production. Uh, yep. Just because I, I I really like that story and it'll be kind of a a cool throwback. Um, and there you have it, my interview with Cole Thompson, one of the most talented Canadian racers of the last decade and a half, probably, uh, and a guy that we export, someone that goes down to the States on a regular basis, tests his medal against the best in the world, and uh, hats off to him for that. Um, want to once again thank every single person who took the time to listen to this podcast. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, being able to bring these podcasts to you guys on a weekly basis, uh, sometimes more than uh, t- twice a week uh, doing these podcasts. It's been so encouraging to have the positive reinforcement and the positive feedback that I've had over the last little while. And uh, yeah, just like reconnecting and connecting with the the motocross community week in and week out, uh, being able to cover the sport and do what I love is uh, is a huge privilege. And I, pr- I appreciate you guys who allow me to make that happen. Um, if you're looking for Big MX Radio merch, uh, it's really easy to find. Just go to my Instagram, Big MX Radio. It's in the link tree. Uh, you can go to the top link and uh, get yourself some Big MX Radio merch. Uh, same thing for Twitter. If you're following me on Twitter, appreciate that. Love to go back and forth and banter with people. Lots of fun there. Um, so go check that out, guys. Really do appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. Uh, we're going to be doing a 250 East preview uh, in the next day or so as well, uh, in addition to the live show that myself, Denny Stevenson, and Chris Riesenberg from Racetech will be doing uh, live on YouTube Thursday at 8 p.m. Central. And that is a concrete time. We will not be very uh, straying from that time slot um, at all. If if we do, it'll be very, very uh, select times, and we're going to really try and stick to that time slot, uh, even though... Sometimes Denny is uh, a little bit tricky to uh, schedule with, but the guy's a former champion, so I guess that comes with the territory. Um, I want to give a huge one more shout out to all of my sponsors Race Tech, Luxon MX, Guts Racing Seat Covers, WUSA, Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, and SKDA Graphics. Support those guys. Uh, I have discount codes for if you mention Big MX Radio with Race Tech or WSA, you're going to save some money. Uh, I believe it's 10% minimum uh, on both of those. So that's fantastic. Luxon MX also offers a 10% discount code. Big MX at checkout saves you 10% with Luxon MX. Big MX Radio 15 saves you 15% off every single one of your orders through Phoenix Handlebars. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys uh, supporting our sponsors. So 
Uh, thanks for everybody taking the time to listen to this podcast. Um, if Sean Wedge is right now on the elliptical, keep pushing, big guy. Uh, can't wait to do some laps with you this weekend and uh, heading out to uh, Alberta where the two of us can become world's champions. Uh, I'm not yet a world's champion, but Sean Wedge certainly, certainly is, and he's one of my favorite people to go riding with in the summer. Um, and, yeah, so also shout, shout out to my good friend, um, James Dahlman, who is out in Golden, BC, uh, getting in as much snowboarding and skiing as he possibly can uh, with some epic amounts of snow. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Take care, guys.